Paul's first letter to Timothy. And we're in chapter 4, if you're joining us for the first time this morning, or have been away from us, we have been in Paul's letter, Paul's first letter to Timothy in our morning services. Our focus this morning is on verses 1 to 6. Children, here are your questions for this morning. First, who does Paul say is behind false teaching? Two, whose word is the Bible? And three, if someone tries to teach us something about faith that is not in the Bible, what should we do? First Timothy chapter 4, beginning in verse 1, this is the word of God. Now the Spirit expressly says that in later times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teaching of demons, through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. There ends the reading of God's word. Let's pray together. Amen. Lord, we do thank you. We do praise you for your word. Lord, we pray that you would please be with us as we approach your word this morning. We know that you have spoken but we also know that we need ears to hear and hearts to receive from you. And so, Lord, we pray that what we've just read would penetrate our minds and our souls. We also pray that you would help us as we move to preaching, that you would help the preacher and help all of us who will hear to be in tune with what you would have us here this morning and apply these things to our lives and to your church. And we pray this in the name of our Savior Jesus. Amen. Well, centrality of God's word and its, its exclusive authority in all things having to do with our understanding of God and ourselves, our faith and our worship, in fact, our very lives, the centrality and authority of God's word is absolutely essential for the life of the church. It must be maintained, in fact, for the survival of churches. The authority of God's word has been under fire from the very beginning. The very fact that even here in these early letters for the church, that the importance of holding on to sound doctrine against heresy is repeated so many times, that fact reminds us that it was a serious problem then. But again, it's nothing new from the beginning. Did God really say? But then throughout history when the prophets were speaking under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Not only were their words rejected, but they were often rejected and beaten and even killed for preaching the truth. So the rejection of God's word, even within the covenant community, is nothing new. Nothing new. As the word developed and as it was fulfilled in Christ, we recognize that the 
word becomes very focused clearly on the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. The beginning of Hebrews states that God spoke in many ways before, but he spoke now in these days through the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's right for us to understand that to mean now in the gospel. God has spoken very clearly in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So anything that detracts from that is a dangerous thing for anyone in any church to be toying with. Uh, that's the big story is dealing with the word of God. In Paul's day, he's very specific. Paul, being an apostle, has been spoken to directly by the Holy Spirit, given insight into the fact that in these later days, in these last days, there would be continued falsehood. Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is given that insight in later times. That is everything between the time Jesus ascended to heaven down till the time he returns in glory. People will depart from the faith. People will depart from the faith. And we must understand that departing from the faith is not just an intellectual or an emotional thing, but that there's a real spiritual darkness behind it. Think of the many so-called ex-evangelicals, those who are once very clearly professors of the Lord Jesus, very bold sometimes with the gospel, for one reason or another have de denied the faith, they need to consider very closely that it wasn't just because intellectually they decided that scripture is not for them, that they were smarter than God when it came to things like morality and culture. They need to understand that they've bought the lies of the evil one, that it's a spiritual thing. And that's true with all false doctrine and all unbelief. Paul makes it clear through the revelation of the Holy Spirit, that people will depart from the faith. Remember, we're talking within the covenant community, but certainly it's much bigger than that as well. The heretical teachings du jour, the heretical teachings of the day for the church, are really nothing new. They were nothing new then. We still have them today, but they look something like this. There was, there was legalism. In other words, adding things, adding laws to scripture that had to be followed in order for people to be really saved. There was mysticism, some higher sense of spirituality that could be attained by some extra-biblical revelation or extra-biblical command. Mysticism. And then there was asceticism, this, this hyper-denial of good things in order to heighten spirituality. Paul warns against that in many different places. One place, place, if you turn back to Colossians, Colossians chapter 2, beginning in verse 16. I'll give you a minute to get there. Colossians 2, 16. Manifest, all these things manifested themselves in different ways through different false teachers in the church. Legalism, mysticism, asceticism. They all seem to mesh together, by the way, in the problem that we're dealing with this morning. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink, or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism 
and the worship of angels, going on in detail about visions puffed up without reason by a sensuous mind, and not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still living in the world, do you submit to regulations, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that perish as they are used, according to human precepts and teachings? These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. Can't help but wonder what draws people to things outside of Scripture. Maybe it's in some unbiblical way to try to ease consciences, or, or those who are insecure in the sufficiency of Christ feel as though they need to add something to what Christ has done. What draws people away? Sometimes it's just pure gullibility because they haven't taken the time to really examine what Scripture has to say. And so they fall for all kinds of false things. But people will fall away. In this case, they're falling away because they're being told that there's a way to attain to a higher spirituality. There's a higher thing, in other words, than, than the grace of God through Jesus Christ. And it causes them to deny things that are good. I'll flip it around. The first thing is food. Food. You remember how some wanted to fall back on kosher laws that were actually abolished in Christ. Some wanted to embrace cultic food practices to heighten their spirituality. And so they're making special laws and regulations for food as a way of higher spirituality. And then disparaging marriage, something that God had actually ordained before the fall for the good of man and for the good of woman, now disparaging that by saying that celibacy is a higher calling. That's a very bad practice. One particular church, the Roman Catholic Church, promoted, especially, still promotes the idea that celibacy is a higher calling so that priests and nuns are to be celibate and no one needs to elaborate on the problems that that has caused. You think about the Shakers. <laughs> Didn't plan very well on having posterity follow them so they would abstain. How many Shakers do you know today? Bad idea to disparage marriage and to promote celibacy as a higher spiritual calling. Paul reminds the people that they are to hold these good things as good through the word and through prayer. Kosher laws are abolished. Peter was very clearly told that all foods were made clean, but even before that, Jesus declared all foods to be clean. Certainly, the people were to stay away from foods, sacrificed, dedicated to idols in any kind of religious sense, but all foods were declared clean. In fact, we're to be thankful for food, to be praise God for food. I have probably told you about my friend Frank, what, who was super physically fit. He was a triathlete, but he loved food. And one time at a well-set table with delicious food, he said, you know, pastor, sometimes when I see food and when I eat food, I just want to fall down and praise God. Not worship the food, but praise God 
who provided that food. Food is a good thing. And then marriage. Marriage is a blessing from God. Marriage is a blessing from God. We're not to idolize marriage. That might be a concern. We also need to recognize that that singleness has its own blessedness too, but that marriage itself is a good thing from God. Not to be disparaged, but to be delighted in through the word and through prayer. I don't often quote Martin Luther, but I couldn't resist these about his own view of marriage. He said, the devil cannot bear to see married people who agree well together. There's three different quotes. The devil can't bear to see married people who agree well together. Here's about his own marriage. My wedding I have made, with my wedding I have made the angels laugh and the devils weep. And here's one I couldn't resist. The purpose of marriage is not pleasure and ease, but the procreation and education of children and the support of a family. People who do not like children are swine, dunces, and blockheads. <laughs> not worthy to be called men and women because they despise the blessing of God the creator, the author of marriage. We need to hold marriage in high esteem. Those are the very specific things that are being dealt with in our passage. But I want to broaden that because the whole issue of these, these things that draw people away is very real today and much broader than just these particular things. I would summarize it this way, that, that the truth is that any doctrinal teaching that draws away from Christ and the fullness of the gospel and salvation by grace alone through faith is demonic. That's a strong statement, but that's exactly what the Apostle Paul is saying here. And so we need to understand that the apostate's devotion here, whether it's unintentional or intentional, it's an alliance with the devil. False doctrine, false teaching that leads away from Christ is brought to you by demons. Which is a very good reminder that there really is a dark living spiritual world that is at work. And sometimes that work is overt, sometimes it's covert. The most effective seems to be that which is most subtle, especially in our settings. And again, it goes back to, did God really say? It always goes back to that. But we need to understand behind that is the dark spiritual realm that does exist. Who started the lie? It was the devil. And here we have his minions, the demons, that, that are promoting and maybe even creating some of these false teachings. And so let's break it down. Think of those teachings and those religions or those practices that are, are clearly and overtly demonic. The very dark, the very obvious, the, the channeling spirits, the rituals that are so dark and, and mysterious that are calling upon false spirits, and all kinds of things like that. There's those that are clearly demonic. And in those situations, you do see some pretty clear, obvious evidence of demon possession. That's the kind of thing that frightens us right on the surface. But then there are those Christless world religions that are also the work of demons. 
Judaism, Islam, Hinduism. May be obvious to us that they are seriously in error and works of the devil, but they're so often regarded as legitimate world religions. Some who profess Christ even saying they're legitimate ways to God. What a horror. Move a little closer to those that are more subtly demonic. I might as well make everybody mad. There are many clever Christian cults who under the guise of being Christian are demonic deceivers. Latter-day Saints, the Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses. The list goes on. Painfully getting maybe a little closer to home, but the Roman Catholic Church. Teaching doctrines of demons that distract from the Lord Jesus. Distract from salvation by grace alone through faith. And I know the argument. There are many Christians in the Catholic Church. Granted. But their doctrine is dark. And it comes from a very dark place. Move a little closer, and here's where I found myself in trouble before, but liberal Protestant that denies things like the resurrection of Jesus Christ and miracles and so many of those central things, those fundamentals of true Christian faith. Teaching doctrines of demons. Those scary, nuanced Christian groups that have their own little bent of higher spirituality. If they're not already heretical, they're certainly on a very dangerous, deadly, and dark path. What you see here, and what Paul is clearly saying, is that it's brought to you by demons, but there's this merger of spiritual deception and human false teachers. False teachers are not let off the hook as if they're individually creative in their false teaching and their deception. No, they're in cahoots with demons. Paul says they're taught by liars who, whether they know it or not, are speaking the language of their father, the father of lies. And whether they're deceived deceivers who genuinely bought the lie themselves and are selling it to others, and I'm sure there are many in that category, or whether they're deliberate deceivers, those who are in it for their own personal gain, whether it can be for money or some other kind of sordid personal gain or pleasure. They're in cahoots with darkness. It's amazing to me how many cult leaders, some so-called Christian cult leaders, want to put all kinds of rules and regulations on everyone else, but what's good for the goose isn't good for the gander, they might say we might say, taking advantage of all the things that they prohibit their people from doing. Things like marriage, things like certain foods, etc. The list goes on. But deceived deceivers and deliberate deceivers, they're liars. And whether they're conscious liars or not, they're in cahoots with darkness. 
The tragedy is it's bought by many. The teaching of the devil, the teaching of demons, the teaching of demagogues, all promoting fake news. <laughs> They're masters of fake news. We all know what fake news in the media is, and it's very clever. But I can tell you this, that the fake news, the fake good news that false teachers are promoting makes worldly, man-made false news look like nothing. And the false news of false teaching grabs vulnerable, ignorant people and sucks them in. Bought by so many. False religions abound. Again, I don't have the numbers for you of how many Muslims, how many, how many Hindus, how many Jews there are, how many Mormons there are. I could, could give you all those numbers. You can easily find them, but the numbers are astounding and the rate at which some of those groups is growing is, is amazingly horrific. But they're there, sucking people in. Very alluring. But again, fake Christianity abounds. Whether it's under the guise of Roman Catholicism or under the guise of Protestantism that has disregarded the scripture, it abounds. It abounds. Even groups that promote this evangelical liberalism or legalism are out there. Many different forums, I'll throw out the name Bill Gothard to you if you want to do your research. Tremendous damage on the evangelical church or a number of evangelicals back in the 70s and he went for years until he was discovered as a charlatan himself and a very dangerous teacher. That's coming close to home. I went to the Institute of Youth Conflicts as a troubled youth and was hit over the head with a dark, dark legalism with no grace and no Christ. But that's just one of many examples. And then, of course, the whole idea of license abounds, too, in churches. But fake Christianity abounds. We need to remember that any issues that add or take away from salvation through Christ alone, by grace alone, is darkness. And so whether it has to do with food, whether it's cult, kosher or cultic, or whether it's marriage, abstinence, or polygamy. It's all from the devil. And all the nuances of the false teaching are all feeding into this darkness that people are buying into. But don't think that the evangelical and reformed churches are exempt from these kinds of dangers, we need to be on guard. We need to be very careful, take extreme care to hold on to Scripture alone and not come up with these things that we want to add, non-essentials, additives that add to Christ alone and add to grace alone. They're things of darkness. So what's the answer? It's the servant's commission. It's what the church is supposed to do. It's what the leadership is supposed to do. That's why I included 
verse 6. It's a bridge, and I won't elaborate on it now, but it's a bridge from what we have here to what we will look at. But you put these things before the brothers. You will be a good servant of Christ, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. The answer is holding on to that which has been spoken. We understand scripture as God breathed, as, a, as opposed to the hideous, foul breath of demons. What a difference. God spoke to us in his word. We need to hold on to the word. We need to propose the truth. That's the best way to counter falsehood. I say propose. That's a pretty soft word. We need to hammer the word. It's the best way, the only way to counter falsehood. God's truth contained in the word. It's exclusive. All other systems are bogus and dangerous and demonic. And we need to understand that at the heart of it is salvation in Christ alone, through, by grace alone, through faith alone. That's the truth upon which the church rises or falls. I didn't just make that up myself. You've heard it before. Now, liars need to be exposed. Paul doesn't mince words. They're liars. Now we need to be very careful because evangelicals and especially reformed people can be really big on witch hunts right within their own Christian communities, devouring each other, eating each other up, and dividing when it doesn't need to be divided. But we do have to be on guard and be very careful to protect the truth. There are plenty of heretics out there they're easy targets, the popes, the prosperity preachers, the pop preachers, but, but our own church needs to be very careful, and you need to be very careful. You need to know the truth so that you know what's false and don't fall into it. So you need to watch and read and listen. And you need to oppose the claims of falsehood. Again, by comparing it to the truth, by extolling the truth, Things are getting worse, at least in our culture. There are great shining lights in the church in our own country and in our own culture. But that which calls itself the church, so much of it is embracing all kinds of false doctrines and all kinds of immorality that are promoted by our culture, giving in to teachings of demons And the true church is increasingly under attack by the godless. We haven't even seen it the way it is in some places, but we need to understand that these old pressures are not only going to come from the outside, but are continually welling up from within. And so I guess the word for us is do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. The devil is a liar. His demons are liars, and they're very clever and very subtle, and they don't give up.
But more importantly, the word of God is truth. And it's sharper than any double-edged sword. And it's powerful to transform souls. But I do have a concern. Because I have seen with my own eyes the people described here. Those who fall away. I know people right now who are still living in the world who once boldly professed Christ. And for whatever reason, whether it was some relationship or some intellectual thing or some emotional thing, they were drawn away from sound, true Christian faith. Probably totally unaware that they were suckered by doctrines of demons. But you stand fast. You stand fast. You're free in Christ. You can't add to or take away what he's done for you in salvation. You can't win any more favor with your God than you already have. So don't go looking for things that that will enhance your higher spirituality or your holiness. You've been made holy by the work of God. But we are called, aren't we, to live lives according to his word. You want to honor God, be thankful, be grateful. Seek to walk in his commandments by his grace. Be in prayer, be in the word. And with all the good things that God has given to you, sanctify them, so to speak, by the word and by prayer. I want to close with the words of John in 1 John chapter 4. Let these words sink into your heart and into your mind, into your soul, and into the way that you process the world around you and the things you're hearing and exposing yourself to, things you're watching, the things you're reading, the things you're hearing. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come into the world into the fle- in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Let's pray. Almighty God, may it never be that we take your holy word for granted. 
you have the words of life. And you've given us the words to live by. What more can you say to us than you've already said? Lord, we thank you so much that you've shown us who you are, who we are. You've shown us our need for the Savior. You've shown us how to truly live lives that are pleasing in your sight, all by your grace with hearts of thanksgiving. How thankful we are this morning, and we give you praise in the name of our Savior and glorious Lord Jesus Christ, through the help of the Holy Spirit. Amen.